Welcome to the Sports Spectrum Podcast, where faith and sports collide. Here's your host, Jason Romano. Welcome everyone to the Sports Spectrum Podcast. My name is Jason Romano. Happy New Year. It is 2018 and it is awesome to have you joining us here on the podcast. Over 125,000 downloads we've had on the Sports Spectrum Podcast since we launched it March 31st, 2017. And it's been awesome to hear the stories of sports and faith and to hear your response and to hear how you have really um, taken to these stories. So it's been a, a privilege to be a part of, and we're just grateful to bring it to you. As always, you can download our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, everywhere podcasts are found. And of course, you can go to sportspectrum.com where we have daily content, including a daily devotional every morning at 6 a.m. to get your day started and content all day long, updated content intersecting the world of sports and of faith. Today's guest on the podcast, he plays soccer for FC Dallas in the MLS, and his name is Ryan Hollingshead. Ryan was selected in the second round with a 20th overall pick in the 2013 MLS Super Draft. And Ryan's story is a pretty crazy one because after playing college soccer at UCLA, and he was an All-American in 2012, he decided to put his professional career on hold to begin a church with his brother and help plant a church, sort of start and build a church. And then he's, after finishing his call there, he gets back into the world of soccer, professional soccer with FC Dallas and has a good career, a couple years. And then all of a sudden in January of 2017, just about a year ago, January 6th of 2017, Ryan almost died. He was a he was in a, a nasty car accident, and you know broke three uh, vertebrae in his neck, and just the way that he recalls that accident, and then the way that he recovered from it to come back and play soccer, the story is phenomenal. It really is. So let's get right to it. Without further ado, I want you guys to really take a listen and be inspired by the story of FC Dallas MLS soccer player. Ryan Hollingshead. Take a listen. Ryan, welcome to the show. Yeah, Jason, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's good to talk to you. Good to get to know you and, and hear your story. And well, you just finished your fourth season of play in the MLS and your 2017 season began a bit late. And we'll talk about that story in a while. Uh, you know, certainly a, a big moment there. But how would you evaluate yeah. your season on the field and your performance with FC Dallas this past season? Yeah, like you said, uh, it was a, a very different season than I was expecting uh, or preparing for. Um, but all in all, the Lord was really good. Uh, I, I got back to playing after a, a crazy accident and got back way faster than I was originally expecting. So uh, with all those things taken into account, uh, I would say the season was a success. Um I obviously, without an injury, would have been expecting a lot more from the season. But with all that taken into account, I am um, I'm very pleased with where we're at right now, and uh, especially personally, I felt like it went about as well as it, it could have gone. You hear a lot about soccer from the youth perspective. I know a lot of my my friends' kids play soccer and they love it. But give us an idea of the level of play that we're talking about here in the MLS and Major League Soccer. 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely growing here in the United States. It's obviously soccer is the world's game, and it is a game that everybody plays um, basically outside of the United States, uh, barring maybe a few other countries. But it's definitely growing here. It's getting a lot of uh, steam going forward. A lot of kids are growing up playing it. It just seems to be a little safer than maybe some of these other sports too, which I, I know is a big draw for parents. And uh, it's definitely growing, but I, I know that the league is hoping to be a top uh, top 10, top five league in the next decade or two. So they're really pushing to make the MLS one of the best leagues in the world. And and it's really honestly starting to go that way. The The level of competition is extremely high. Players are coming from, from all across the world to join uh, the MLS and be a part of what's going on here. Um, so yeah, it's hard to maybe say, uh, I don't know how to talk about the level of competition in terms of uh, what it is in comparison to to other leagues, but uh, it is it is growing tremendously, and you know maybe a good way to think about it is just watching the the teams that are coming into the MLS now and the uh, the types of fans they're garnering, the types of uh, stadiums they're playing out of. It, it's definitely changing, and the culture of soccer is changing in the U.S. So uh, yeah, I think that's a, a large in large part due to the MLS and and what it's done, and, and the competition level is really, really high. When did soccer start taking shape for you? Was that something that was ingrained in you from a little boy, or when did that kind of start with you, and when did you first get into soccer? Yeah, so I uh, I grew up with three brothers, so there's four boys in our family, and two of them are older and one's younger. And so I remember when I was really young, about three years old, uh, my dad would take me to soccer practice with my two older brothers, and that was the sport that they grew up playing uh, was soccer. And so it got to a point where I either sat on the sideline and watched them play, or I tried to you know, kick a ball around and figure out how to do it and how to do it uh, at the level that my older brothers were doing it so I could play with them. Uh, and so from an early age, I just picked it up, loved it, and always was trying to fit in with them and be a part of what they were doing. And so I was trying to basically match a competition level that was two years or four years older than, than I was. And so um, that's kind of what grew my love for it. It was partly, you know, my brothers and then partly just kind of our family game is the game that we all really got into and, and loved playing. And so um, that's kind of how I got into it. What about church and faith and Jesus and where that falls in the line of priorities as a kid growing up? Yeah, so I didn't grow up in a Christian home. It wasn't uh, a priority in my house. We weren't um, big, uh, big churchgoers or anything that was important to us. And then my parents actually had a pretty gnarly divorce, and uh, that kind of even led us further from, uh, from you know, our our faith and and going to church. And so I would say, growing up, we were the type of family that would go to church maybe once every couple weeks or once a month or maybe even a little bit less and so it just wasn't a priority so I didn't grow up I didn't grow up loving Jesus or even knowing that um, you know Christianity was a priority or anything like that uh, until about uh, man junior year senior year of high school um, my older brother the same brother that had got me into soccer mm-hmm. uh, became a Christian and he gave me my first Bible and it sat on my it sat on my uh, shelf for a couple years until finally I felt the Lord calling me to pick. I, well, I didn't know at the time, but the Lord calling me to pick it up and read it. And so 
my junior year of high school, I began to just slowly read through the Bible. And through that time of reading through the Bible was just convinced of its truth and convinced that Jesus was God. So that's when faith came into play for me. So really, really late in my, in my soccer playing career. So there wasn't a, besides your brother, obviously, is there somebody else that you kind of were leaning on? Because that's still a very young age to just kind of read the Bible and, and get it. You know, it's still something that I know working at our youth at our church, you know, 16, 17 years old, there's still usually a mentor or a youth pastor or someone that can kind of steer them towards understanding what the Bible is. But was that the case for you? Yeah, honestly, I wouldn't recommend my, uh, <laughs> my case. I don't, I don't think it's the norm. And it was, it really was crazy. Cause at that point, my brother was in college, almost about to graduate college. So he, he lived, you know, uh, six hours away from me. So we maybe talked a little bit on the phone and those sorts of things, but we didn't have much contact in terms of him, like discipling me and walking through scripture with me. But I do remember, um, him being very influential in that process, but it was a much more hands off him talking about the gospel when he was home or when he was around the house, but that was very, very rare. So it, it honestly was the Lord. Um, yeah, I guess he was just very gentle in walking me through those truths and kind of teaching me things that as, as I was reading and I was, you know, looking up things online or following, you know, I was always on Desiring God, which is John Piper's uh, website for his ministry. I was looking everything up on websites like that, trying to teach myself uh, if I, you know, didn't understand the text or those sorts of things. So I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that it's like the norm or the way that most people come to faith, but um, it definitely was what the Lord was doing. And I was in a spot where, yeah, I didn't really have many people around me that, uh, I could look up to in, in their faith. And so I kind of had to just figure it out on my own. And if I ever had any really big questions, I knew I could always call and ask my, my older brother. How was it with regards to your parents? And, you know, I'm coming from, uh, you're talking to a person who came from a divorced home as well. And I didn't become a Christian until I was in my late twenties. So I wonder what that was like seeing your brother, then yourself, and just sort of how that you know, manifested itself in the whole family dynamic. You also have two other brothers. What was that like trying to balance this sort of new conversion in your life with your family? Yeah, honestly, again, the Lord was just so good and so faithful to my family. So when my parents divorced, my dad uh, left and I didn't see him for over a decade. Uh, and in that time, while my mom was raising us four boys, um, the Lord saved all four of us brothers and saved my mom. And I'm so grateful for it. And he did it over a, a long period of time. So like I said, my older brother was first. And then I was kind of slowly after that or shortly after that. And then uh, my other older brother, maybe a couple years later, and then my younger brother, uh, maybe a year after that. So it was kind of like this succession of us coming to faith in Jesus. But as I stand here today, my mom and my my other brothers all love the Lord. Um, two of them serve in ministry. One of them's like a worship pastor, uh, as a not as his job, but kind of as a uh, a side gig. Volunteer so, thing, yeah. Uh, yeah, like more of a volunteer thing. And so, um, yeah, the Lord has been so faithful to um, man just bring our family to faith, even after the craziness of what our family life looked like. So. 
uh, and now we're now we're working on my dad. So that's part of the process. And uh, I'm just convinced that it's just a matter of time until he uh, becomes a believer as well. So we're praying for that, uh, praying for that daily. Amen. We'll be keeping that in, yeah. in our prayers as well. Uh, we're talking to Ryan Hollingshead here from FC Dallas, the MLS soccer player. And this is the Sports Spectrum podcast. So let's go back on the field. You get to UCLA. It's college time and you're the man and you go to UCLA to play soccer. And you're an <laughs> All-American. And then you're drafted to FC Dallas in 2013, MLS Super Draft. What do you remember about that, that time going through UCLA and obviously having a newfound faith, if you will, and then going into being drafted by FC Dallas? So basically my from my freshman year in college so my my oldest brother was five years older than i was so he was out of college graduated and he began to feel this call from god to plant a church to start a church uh that christian lingo can be confusing sometimes they're like Mm -hmm. what does plant mean um to start a church and so he and i would talk about that uh i mean maybe monthly maybe even more often than that about just the vision of the church, the distinctives, what is our church going to look like? What what was our doctrinal statement going to be? Um, what was kind of our church? What was the vision? How was it going to glorify God through making disciples, through preaching the Bible? How was it going to do that? And so we had talked about this for, for months and months and years, and that started my freshman year in college. And so from day one, basically what we had said to each other was, when this happens, you tell me when and where, Scott and I, Scott's my older brother, and I, I'll be there. Um, and so we had talked about it for four years, and of all times, uh, Scott calls me on the phone, and he's like, hey, here's the deal. Uh, it looks like we're planting. We're going to start this process in February. And so this is my senior year. I just finished uh, my career, my soccer career at UCLA. The draft was coming up. And Scott calls me and he's like, hey, it's happening February, which is basically the start to that next MLS season. Wow. And so at the same time, I'm getting calls from uh, different MLS teams and they're saying, hey, do you see yourself playing in this city? Or, hey, do you think you'd be a good fit in you know, Seattle or Portland or wherever? And so teams are trying to get a feel for, hey, do I want to be in that city? Do I want to play for that organization? And they're trying to see if they're going to draft me. And so I tell every team that calls me, don't draft me. I'm not coming to play. Uh, I'm going to start a church with my brother back in Sacramento. So do not draft me. Hmm. Um, I assume that all this word is getting around the league, right? Like everybody's talking to each other. They're all going to know what's happening with Ryan Holling said. Um, But I also didn't feel like it was my place to, you know, call the teams who hadn't talked to me and say, hey, just in case, you know, don't draft me. I thought that was weird. Um, so I just only talked to the teams that had reached out to me and assumed that the the talk was getting around the league not to draft me. So anyway, January comes in a completely different, unrelated event. My wife and I are in Haiti working at an orphanage that she had worked at the year earlier. Hmm. And so we went back down in January to visit and to uh, help do a couple things that they needed to get done in January, the month before this church was going to be started. So we're in Haiti in during the time that all of the draft and the combine and all that's happening. So I have no internet access. I have no access to a phone or contacting anybody in the States um, for that whole month of January. 
So I come back into the United States at the end of January and have all of these missed messages and emails and voicemails. I mean, hundreds of messages basically saying I got drafted, that FC Dallas had drafted me and that um, <laughs> and that I was, uh, yeah, drafted in the second round. And so we were shocked. I thought everybody had heard, you know, not to draft me. And uh, basically FC Dallas just said, hey, we wanted to take a chance on you coming back to play at some point once this church was started. So that's kind of how all, all of that happened. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think where, 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 where do you want me to go from no, there? No, I just think I, I'll, stop for, I'll stop you for a minute and just say that's insane. That's so crazy and, and awesome at the same time. But then, so you get drafted, and but the church is happening and you, you've committed to this. So take us to the part where you fulfill this promise with your brother and you help get this, built, this church built. Kind of take us through that process of getting the church and then we'll go back into the soccer side. Yeah. So, yeah. So I, I showed up in Sacramento in February, told, told FC Dallas, I wasn't coming to play. I was starting this church. And basically in February, Scott and his wife and me and my now wife, we were, she was my fiance at the time. We met in Sacramento and we just began. And what that looked like was um, connecting with old friends in our hometown, connecting with, uh, you know, other pastors around the area, connecting with, literally anybody and everybody we came in contact to. So that, I mean, I was talking to clerks and cashiers at the grocery store and at whatever store we were walking into and neighbors and people. And we are basically just spreading this vision of, Hey, we're starting this church in this area. This is what it's going to look like. Uh, it's all about glorifying the name of Jesus. We want you guys to be a part of it. Uh, come to this vision meeting on Sunday and hear more about, you know, what we're about, what this church is. And so that was really, that was the first six months of planting the church. That's what it looked like. It looked like just forming relationships with anybody and everybody that we could, calling old high school friends and people around the area that we knew. And that's that was just trying to build the interest and build the kind of the core group is what you call it. It's the group of people that will help you officially launch the church, officially start the church. So we did that for six months, having vision meetings about once every Sunday, maybe once every other Sunday. And after about six months of that, we had built a group of about 50 people, 50 people who had bought into the vision, who were excited about what we were doing. Hmm. And that's once we had that kind of 50 people number, we uh, were able to look into renting a space, renting a building, actually officially starting a our first Sunday service. And, and that was, so that first service was October of that same year. So that was about 10 months after we, the four of us met in Sacramento, about 10 months later, we were starting, uh, launching our first actual service at a rented building with all the equipment, everything you kind of need to have a church up and running. It's a crazy, it's a crazy process, man. It is so crazy. So I mean, you're wearing every hat at the beginning, right? Like I was the audio guy. I was the video guy, the projector guy. I was, you know, like <laughs> playing drums and, you know, uh, leading small groups. And I was just doing everything, not not actually playing drums, but I was just doing everything that needed to be done. And then my brother was doing the other half. So he was preaching and teaching. He was 
leading the vision. He was uh, figuring out building stuff and where we could get uh, a space rented. And so all of that was basically combined between the two of us doing everything that needed to get done for this church. So well, church, that, church that's planting kind of is not, yeah, it is not glamorous. We, our church here in Connecticut planted a church uh, about 20 minutes away in Hartford, the city, the capital city in Connecticut. Yeah. Here. And yeah. it has been a couple years and it is hard and I'm not in the plant. I'm actually at the home church, but my good friends are at this church plant and, uh, you know, starting a new church is very difficult getting people to buy in and it can be very frustrating. It can be in many ways, a grind, like almost like a, a season, uh, in sports that you got to kind of just stay with it and stay with it and trust God to be faithful. So for you, it's Harvest Bible Chapel, right? In Sacramento. And yep, Harvest Bible Chapel, Sacramento. Yeah. So what's been what's been the biggest challenge, Ryan? Now I mean I know you're not necessarily there all the time now, obviously getting back into soccer, which we'll talk about in a minute. But in that sort of six month, even we'll say a year before you decided to go back and play soccer, what did you see as the challenges? And maybe your brother um you've seen in talking to him, just the biggest challenges in, in starting a new church. Yeah. So the biggest challenge for us, uh, and especially my brother, if you asked him, was um, was seeing God move when it looked like nothing was happening. So mm -hmm. it was understanding the call of God to plant churches and to teach men and to, uh, you know, to, to make disciples and to save the lost like that. That is the goal of planting a church. And that so many times throughout the process, you can lose sight of is God really behind this? Like, is God doing this? Is he moving here? Because there were so many times, especially at the beginning that we would meet, you know, in the, the back of a grocery store, there'd be a meeting room at the back of this grocery store that we would, we, we would use a couple times. And there'd be times we would meet and it would be just the four of us. Like nobody would come to these vision meetings. Mm. And so we would show up with four people and you're like, is God, is God behind this? Is God doing something here? Yeah. So maintaining that faith that the Lord is moving when you see nothing happening was, was by far the hardest thing, definitely for my brother and definitely for, for me, because there's times where you're like, man, I just want to throw in the towel. This just seems seems too hard, too much work, seems like nothing's really happening. That that was the hardest thing to overcome. So before we get to the story of you getting back to soccer, how is the church doing now? It's been three, four years or so, been you know into this uh, church world thing, especially for your brother. How's Harvest Bible Chapel doing? Yeah, man, it's, it is doing so well. So you don't rate a church off numbers, of course, but of course. the church has grown steadily since we first launch. So I think on our first day, we launched with about 125 people. And I was just there actually last weekend and there was over 600 people there. Wow, that's great. Um, and so it's just been, yeah, it's just been consistently growing. The Lord's been so faithful. Um, some of my closest friends from back home have gotten saved at this church, have become believers because of uh, Harvest Bible Chapel. And so, um, I, I I honestly, I love it. I miss it dearly. It's so fun being back and being a part of what's going on. It's crazy now walking in and seeing faces that I don't recognize because when we left, you know, we knew everybody by name and by address and by phone number and everything. So um, now it's funny walking back into the church and seeing people that I've just never even seen before that are uh, now going there. So it's, it's awesome. The church is so strong, doing very, very well. 
And again, the Lord is just faithful. He's faithful to build his church, even when, you know, at times it looked like it wasn't going to happen. So uh, we're grateful for that. It's great to hear. We're talking to Ryan Hollingshead here, FC Dallas soccer player on the Sports Spectrum podcast. So take us, Ryan, to that decision to go back and play soccer. So you're drafted in 2013 by Dallas. You don't go and play with them, obviously. You, you 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 fulfill the promise. You go and work with your brother and build the church up. And then a moment comes when you decide to go back. So take us to that moment and saying, yeah, I think, I think soccer is back in the mix here. Yeah, so it had been about 10 months. So we're in October then of 2013. And in October, the, the MLS season is basically over. And that was our first official service. So that's when the church officially launched. And basically after the second week of that launch, Scott and I sat down, my older brother and I, we sat down and he basically said, here's the deal. We have the, the funds to be able to bring another pastor on staff uh, to help me out and basically take over all the roles, all the jobs that you're doing right now. And we can do that. And so he said, if you want, this is, this is your chance. I think you should go play. And in the, in the same time, all year long, Dallas would call me about every month, I would say maybe every couple of weeks, and they would check in and ask, you know, how's the family? How's the church? How's everything going? Are you ready to come play? <laughs> yeah. And so every month, every month, I'm like, the family's great. The church is slowly growing. I'm still not ready. Not even close. Got to watch this thing uh, play out. And, and for a while, I thought by saying that, I thought I was kind of I thought soccer was not going to be put back on the table. I thought they were going to pull the contract away. And um, so I, I was okay with, um, you know, never playing soccer again, if that's what the Lord had. Hmm. Um, but I was also trusting that he was going to do something if that's what he had. So uh, in October, they basically called two days after my brother and I had that conversation. And they said, hey, we'd love for you to come out in January, start the new season with us. And, um this is kind of the last offer because after this, you know, we're not going to wait uh, a whole nother year. You know, a year is really kind of the max that we can wait. Yeah. And it was that, that call came about two days after my brother and I talked. And so we just looked at each other and we're like, let's do it. Let's go to Dallas. Let's go play soccer. Let's, uh, you know, fulfill this dream a little bit and see what the Lord has. And that's what, that's ultimately what led to that decision. So how has it been? How how has playing MLS soccer been? How was that decision? You happy happy with it? It's, you've been playing four seasons now, so happy with it? Yeah, totally. I'm I'm incredibly happy with it. I feel like again the Lord was faithful to uh, basically allow me to do both. You know, I thought originally when I uh, chose the church plant that I was turning down soccer, but the Lord had different plans and was able to. Um, have me do both. And, and my wife and I have really enjoyed it. We found an amazing community in Dallas. I've loved playing soccer. It's such an amazing job. And obviously playing my whole life and being competitive, you always want to test yourself and play at the highest level. And so um, that was always a desire of mine. And I was willing to lay that down for the gospel if it needed to be. And uh, for a time, that's how it did look. And then the Lord kind of resurrected it and brought it back. And uh, gave us the opportunity to play and we've we've really enjoyed it. So yeah, I think uh, I think again it's been it's been a blast. I don't I don't know what the Lord has like going forward, but I know for now he has us playing soccer and, and we've really enjoyed it and it's been uh, such an amazing time for us in Dallas. 
You mentioned earlier uh, about an accident. And so after having a nice season in, in 2016, you're getting ready to start the new season. And just about a year ago, January 6th, 2017 happens and things change for you. So take us back to that day, January 6th, 2017, and tell us what happened. Yeah, so I had I gotten back to Dallas after a great off season in California and was getting back into the swing of about to start preseason, which starts usually like end of January is when preseason starts. So I'm maybe a couple of weeks away from preseason, excited for a new year, coming off a really good year the year before. Uh, our team was incredibly successful. We had won the Open Cup, won the Supporter Shield, and uh, I was a, a big part of that playing. In, in most of those games and starting in most of those games. So I was excited just for, you know, what was going to happen this next year. And in those weeks leading up to preseason starting, um, I was on the road trying to go pick up a friend who had gotten in a car accident. And as I was driving to pick him up, the roads were pretty icy that night. And so uh, the car that was in, directly in front of us as we're driving on the freeway uh, he basically hydroplaned across the freeway and smashed into the the center of the road, the median that's in the center of the road next to the fast lane. And when he did so, he knocked out both of his headlights and his car was sitting um, perpendicular in the middle of the fast lane. And so my wife and I slowed down. And as we pulled around him slowly, we realized his car was completely dark in the middle of the road because his his headlights were smashed when he hit the median. And so we looked at each other and I was like, I need to get out and I need to get this guy out of his car. Uh, because if we don't, a car is going to come flying through the fast lane and hit him. And, you know, I was thinking worst case scenario, this guy, this guy's not going to make it if that happens. And so we pulled over as fast as we could. I got out of the car. My wife stayed in the car that was, you know, parked on the shoulder of the road. And I ran up the freeway to get the man out of his car. And as I got to him, he was uh, opening the door and like getting himself out of the car. So I run over and get him. We walk to the shoulder. And as we're standing in the shoulder, I'm just kind of asking him, are you okay? Is everything fine? Do I need to call an ambulance? Uh, how do you feel? Those sorts of things. And as we're talking and I'm asking them those questions, uh, basically a car comes flying through the shoulder and hits me as I'm standing on my feet, hits me and sends me flying down the highway. And I land about uh, 30 feet down the road. And as I land on the concrete, I, uh, I'm temporary, temporarily paralyzed. Hmm. Uh, so I'm sitting there unable to move uh, and no part of my body is functioning. And so at first I'm like, well, I'm paralyzed. I'm uh, more than soccer, I'm thinking I'm never going to play with my kids. I'm never going to, you know, be able to throw a football with them and kick a soccer ball with them and those sorts of things. Yeah. And, uh, and about 20 seconds later, feeling comes back into my hands and comes back into my feet and I'm able to push myself up and get out of the, out of the freeway and on the other side of the median. Um, and when I got to the other side of the median, I realized something was seriously wrong with my body. And so I hobbled down the road to my wife who was in the car and got her out of the car. And she came up with me to the accident. And that's when the ambulances arrived and everybody started coming. 
and they ambulance us out and uh, had me in a neck brace thinking that something was seriously wrong. Wow, there's just so much to unpack there. Let's talk about your wife, first of all, I guess, after you get hit. Did she realize that you had gotten hit? Did she not even realize it? Was she just sitting in the car waiting and wondering where you were? Yes, which is honestly, it's a grace of the Lord. So she didn't see any of the accident happen. She did not see me flying through the air. She did not see me land on the freeway. So when we pulled over, we had gone past the car and pulled over down the road. So she was facing down road and the crash and everything that happened was behind her. So she didn't see anything, which I'm I'm so grateful for. Uh, But then by the time I ran up to the car, or I guess hobbled up to the car, and opened the door and and started talking to her she could see my face was all cut up and my sweatshirt was ripped and you know my shoes had gotten knocked off in the crash as well so i was barefoot and so she saw all of this and was like what happened and that's when she realized something crazy had happened so she jumped out of the car as quickly as she could to basically help me um figure out what we needed to do uh going forward how 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 hard her how fast was the car going that hit you you know there's there's estimates but i I, the 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 best estimate i heard was somewhere between 30 to 40 miles per hour so they were beginning to slow down um but they were coming from the fast lane of the freeway and that's when they hit their brakes to try to slow down. So the report would say that they came in somewhere around 30 to 40 miles per hour, which was it felt it felt like every bit of that 40 mile per hour right uh, right to to my backside. So uh, yeah, it was this, fast. You described this pretty clearly. Um, you're conscious the whole conscious the whole time as it's, it's happening. Yeah. Yeah, I did not get a concussion. I didn't black out at all. I remember even flying through the air because of the way that the car hit me, I kind of, it was a smaller car. So it hit the, I hit the hood of the car and then smashed into the windshield of the car. And then that's kind of what propelled me and shot me forward. Okay. So my head never hit at all. In fact, it was the whiplash of getting hit. That's what caused me to uh, break my neck and break those bones in my neck. And so by the time I landed, I remember all of it. I didn't black out. I remember being in the air thinking, how long am I going to be in the air flying? Really? Wow, that's insane. Because <laughs> most people, yeah. they're just gone. You know, They don't think, they're not even remembering it until they come to, if you will. But you were, you were remembering every single moment as it's happening. Oh, man. And Jason, I feel like there was times that, I, that this, while I was in the air, I felt like it was an eternity. And there's other times I felt like, you know, it went by so fast. But in that time that I was in the air, I swear I had like thought out my entire future. So wow. I, I don't know how long I was actually in air, but uh, yeah, it was, it seemed like a long, long time. When you landed and you thought you were paralyzed and then you came to is, I'm just trying to imagine if I was going through something like this, which I've never had happen to me, but are you literally just talking to God? Are you asking God to help you or are you just like, in silence looking around to try and see if you're okay like what's going through what's what's happening in that moment yeah it's a little bit of everything uh i'm i'm praying to god but it's very it's a very informal prayer it's more like it's more like lord where am i what am i doing are am i okay like how do how do i feel so it's like very intermixed with just thoughts and prayers and uh like anxiousness and anxiety and nerves and all of that just mixed in. So yeah, I don't know exactly 
how coherent it was. Wow. So you end up with three broken vertebrae in your neck, a broken neck. The ambulance takes you to the hospital and you hear this. Are you thinking, I might never play soccer again? Like what's what's happening as you're in the hospital and hearing from the doctors? Yeah, exactly. And every time I heard of bro- like somebody breaking a neck, I think either death or paralysis or something extreme. So as soon as that became kind of the sentiment, and even as I was in the ambulance, that seemed to be what they were thinking. I was like, oh no, I'm, I'm never going to play again. And so they did all the x-rays, they ran all the tests and the MRIs and all that stuff. And the doctors came in and they said, we've got bad news. You've broken your neck, three vertebrae in your neck, your C2, your C5, and your C6. And they're like, you're going to be out uh, basically you're going to be in the neck brace for four to six weeks. Mm-hmm. And my wife and I just looked at each other and started laughing because the Lord is, the Lord is so good, you know, to have that be the, uh, the diagnosis. We thought, I mean, we thought I would never, I could never play again. And they basically said in six weeks, you'll be completely healed. And it will take you a couple more months after that to get back into uh, being able to play, but you'll be back by the middle middle of the season. And man, we looked at each other and we're like, I have teammates who have pulled hamstrings and been out, you know, as long as six weeks. And so uh, it was just it was just a miracle. And the fact that I didn't need surgery, that I guess there's three way to three ways to break the vertebrae in your neck. Two of them require surgery, and the third one does not. And all three of the bones that were broken were the third option, which did not require surgery. And so just, yeah, again, the Lord's mercy on me, even through that accident was very tangible and evident. And, uh, you know, we're, we're so grateful because, because I'm, I'm back and playing and feeling really good. Yeah. You missed the beginning of the season, as you mentioned, and as we mentioned earlier because of the recovery, but what was the hardest part of trying to come back or was there a real hard part? Was it just a matter of letting it heal and then back on the field? What was that like that recovery? Yeah, so the hardest part was because of the the injury of break, like breaking your neck, you're bedridden. So I was completely like motionless for three weeks, where I was lying straight back in a bed with a brace on, not able to move or roll over or really do anything. Hmm. And because I was so sedentary, getting back into playing, it wasn't like you know I broke a wrist and I was able to still be moving and walking around and was just out for a couple of weeks and started running. It was, you know, I lost so much um, muscle in my entire body because I really did nothing for about th- three weeks. And then I was able to pick it up a little bit more um, at the end of kind of that, that time where I still had the brace on, but was able to start moving and walking and that sort of thing. So the nature of the injury just made it a really tough, uh, recovery because I basically had to rebuild muscle everywhere, um, you know, especially my neck, especially uh, trying to get my neck muscle strong again. I'm still not 100%. There's still some mobility issues that I have. I'm not able to turn my neck fully to the side like I used to be able to, but all that stuff uh, is muscular and the doctors are all very, um, you know, very optimistic that I'll get back to 100% mobility with all of those things. So then you get back to the soccer field. Is that first time sort of running on the field a little weird for you? You know, when you're when you finally cleared to play because the neck is a little different than it was before. Like, what was that like? 
Yeah, weird, but in such a good way. I mean, it just felt so freeing to be back on the field, to be running, and even just to remember the the time before the diagnosis, thinking I may never play again, and then that opportunity to run back on the field just felt so good. And uh, you know, all glory to the Lord for for um, for just providing for me in that time. But I uh, I just I can't even. I can't even put into words how good it felt running back on that field, especially, you know, the first time that I was subbed into a, a game mm-hmm. um, at, in front of our home crowd, just running onto that field with the standing ovation of everybody that had really been backing me up throughout the entire process uh, was an amazing moment. Last question. And we asked this question to all of our guests, Ryan, I'm curious what your answer might be, especially what you've went through this past year. But what have you learned from the Lord during this time uh, right now in the season that you're in? What is God teaching you? Man, I, I think the the sentiment and the thing that the Lord's been teaching me the most is to be completely content with Him. Like if the Lord were to take all things from me, if I were to be you know, in the same case, the same situation as Job, would I be equally as God-glorifying? Would I be um, equally as joyful? Would I love Jesus the same or even more if all of these things were taken. And so I think the Lord's been just refining that in me. Like, do I, do I get too caught up in the things of this world? Do I get too caught up with having this or having that or this job or, you know, healthy kids or all these things? Am I too caught up with that or am I uh, completely satisfied in the Lord? I think he's been teaching me that (laughs) maybe, maybe even through the hard ways of, uh, you know, pulling these things out of my life that maybe are, becoming idols to me, but he's been so faithful to, yeah, to do that and to make himself uh, the priority in my life and to, to be the thing that my ultimate joy rests in. So I'm, I'm really thankful for that. He is Ryan Hollingshead, FC Dallas MLS soccer player. He also happens to be a husband and a dad to two little ones. You might've heard the little one in the background earlier in this interview. So life's a little bit busy for Ryan as he gears up for the 2018 <laughs> MLS season, but Listen, man, we really appreciate you coming on the podcast, sharing your story, and we'll check back in with you maybe next year and and see how things are going. So I appreciate you, and thanks for coming on. Yeah, Jason, thanks very much for having me. And we do thank Ryan Hollingshead, FC Dallas MLS soccer player, for joining us here on the Sports Spectrum podcast and sharing his pretty crazy story. First from not going into professional soccer so he could play in a church and then getting in a horrific car accident and overcoming that and coming back and and continuing his soccer career. So we wish uh, Ryan nothing but the best. Hope for a great 2018 soccer season and we'll be watching him and keeping tabs on him throughout the year. As always, we thank you for joining us here on the podcast. You can reach us on Twitter at sports underscore spectrum. You can tweet at me at Jason Romano and you can email me Jason at sports spectrum dot com. Send us your comments. Send us your thoughts. Let us know that you heard the podcast. If you have any guest ideas or people that you think we should have on the podcast, please send those along as well. And we always appreciate your feedback. So go to iTunes, uh, Apple Podcasts, go to the review section, leave a review, let us know how we're doing. The reviews help kind of get the word out, uh, help the podcast be seen by more people. We were in the iTunes top 200 rankings in the sports category on podcast quite a few times back in 2017 and hope to continue that in 2018. And this is where you can come in by leaving a review 
and also by sharing these podcasts on your social media pages, whether it's Facebook or Twitter or even taking a, a picture, a screen grab and sharing it on your Instagram page. But you can help us by getting the word out. It's really easy. It's free. It's simple. Uh, but it helps get the word out and letting people know that this podcast is out there because I think this podcast can really help a lot of people. I, I think it's a niche that a lot of believers in Christ are looking for. There are tons of sports fans out there who love the Lord. And I think kind of bringing these two together uh, is it's pretty awesome. And I think there's a lot of people that are looking for content like this. So share it. Let people know about this Sports Spectrum podcast on your social media pages. And as always, thank you so much for listening and tuning in. We'll see you next time and have a great day, everybody. This is the Sports Spectrum Podcast. Podcast.